Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Very unusual group comes onto the stage now. They're called wise men from the East. They're called mad guy. So the mad guy... So who are these mad guy? I mean, you know, was, you know, they're a very foreign group of men. The, 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 these were the group among the Persians, among the Medes. They were very close to the king. They cultivated astrology, medicine. Many were, they, they got involved in the occult. But it, it's, it's just amazing to see these people coming from the east to look for God because their culture did not promote the knowledge of the true God. I mean, it's, if you wanted to say, what in the New Testament could describe this group of Magi here, it'd be Ephesians 2.12, Ephesians 2.12, that at that time, ye were without Christ, without the Messiah, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now you're in Christ Jesus, who you were sometimes were afar off. So these, these, these Magi here who are coming, they're not like the norm. They're not like the norm. These Magi, they, they obviously, Magi, they were, they, they were not satisfied without God. And, and so we find them here reaching out to God. Spiritually speaking, they're stretching. They're stretching out in search of the king of the Jews. I mean, when we look at these magi here, it teaches us nobody floats in, into a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Nobody drifts to God. Anyone who finds God, he finds God by reaching out, by stretching beyond their comfort zone in search of God. That's why the bumper sticker is so great that says, wise men still seek him. Now, these magi, they're identified uh, in verse 2 simply as coming from the east. That's how they're identified. It's just they're, they're coming from the east. Coming from the east. Well, this is how the Arabian people, this is how the Arabs are called. The Arabs are called the people from the east. I mean, you know, I don't know if you ever thought about it or not, but you pick up and you, you read the book of Job. It describes this man that God's so proud of. He shows him off. He brags about him to Satan. He'll look, he loves God. And then Satan says, oh, he always loves him because you gave him so much and everything. And so, so God says, all right, well, take it away, and you'll still, still see he loves God. And he goes through it, he perseveres, he loves God, he trusts God. You know, we look at Job and we say, oh, Job, what a great person he was. Exactly who was Job? Huh? And there's no indication that Job was a Jewish person. In fact, we're told in the third verse of the book of Job who he was. 
When it says in Job 1.3, Job 1.3, his substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. He's one of the men of the East. He's the greatest of all the men of the East. He was an Arab. Job was an Arab. I don't know if that surprises you or not, but anyway, that's the way it was. And there were others that were described as from the East. You know, when when the Israelites planted their crops around the time of Gideon, and then we're told that the Amalekites and the Midianites invaded the land, and they took the harvest, and they came with this group. It says there in Judges 6.3, Judges 6.3. So it was that when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, the Amalekites, and the children of the east, even they came up against them. So this is, this is who, who the Magi are. They are from the east. They're coming from the east. But they've got this burning question in verse 2. And the question that they're asking everybody, you know, and they, you, know, you can imagine, they walk in and come into a Jewish community. Oh, you know, what, you're Arabs. What are you doing here? Why are you coming? And, they, and, and they, you know, would you like something to drink? Would you like something to eat? No, no, no. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? That's all. And we look at that and we, and we say, what? Arabs are looking for the newborn king of the Jews? Can you imagine today? <laughs> big group in Gaza, big group on the West Bank coming up. Where is Jesus born, King of the Jews? You know, how do they know? How do they know about the King of the Jews? Well, how do they know? You know, we, well, we found out how they knew about the King of the Jews because it all goes back to the Babylonian captivity, to when the Jews were taken by by Babylon as slaves, captives to the east, and during that time, the king of the people of the East. He had a very strange dream of an image, and, and so he called the, the dream interpreters, the, the professional dream interpreters, which were the Magi. And, and he asked them to interpret the dream, and they couldn't. So he got so angry that he ordered all the Magi to be killed. Who says the Bible's boring? <laughs> well, it just so happened that there was just one Jewish captive there named Daniel, who was put in as part of the Magi. And so as they're seizing Daniel to kill him, Daniel says, what's the rush? God will give, give the interpretation of the dream. So, so Daniel comes in, he interprets the king's dream, and then in, as a reward for that, we read in Daniel 2.48, Daniel 2.48, then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief among the governors of all the, all the magim, all the wise men of Babylon. So what happened is that when that promotion happened to Daniel, he became president of, of the Magi there, that he became in charge of the Magi. And what he did is he set out, Daniel set out to really care for these people and to love these people I mean, he purposed, Daniel purposed to bring these magi who had never known God, he purposed to bring them to God. I mean, they were godless. And Daniel said, Daniel looks at the, the group of people he's in charge of, and they were godless, and Daniel says, not anymore. Not on my watch, is what he's saying here. I'm, I'm in charge of these magi, and my, magi, and I'm going to be, I'm going to bring these magi 
to God so that they can have eternal life with me. And that's what he did. That was the heart of Daniel. So Daniel set himself to, to, to give these magi the knowledge of God, especially the hope that was Israel's hope, the hope of Israel, which was the coming uh, uh, king of the Jews. And so we can imagine Matt, Daniel, he's gathering all the magi together. He's teaching them what the Bible calls. I mean, he's got to start from nothing. They don't know anything. So in Hebrews 5.12, it says that, it, it uses this term, the first principles of the oracles of God, Hebrews 5.12. The first principles of the oracles of God. And that's what he's doing. He's teaching them because they don't know anything. You know, I, I just took possession of two houses in Loreto, Mexico. They were owned, owned by Americans, and one of them uh, is being converted into a rental property. And, and so what was interesting was that, was that the houses were left just as if someone just walked out the door. You know, and they, they were occupied. Sheets on the bed, butter in the refrigerator. <laughs> kind of a ghost town, you know. But what was interesting is that, as they were the vacation homes, is that the bookshelves were full of books. You know, one of the houses had, has about 500 books in it. And the other has about 300 books in it. And, and so, you know, they go down there, they like to read a lot. So I thought, well, this is going to be interesting because I'm going to see what they read about. And, and these books were like, they were like windows into the souls of people that I didn't know. In fact, one of the owners I, I never met before. I still haven't met. But I was looking into the 500 books that he had, and, and I was really getting to know them, know them. Because that's what the books are, books are. They really tell you what do people, what are people interested in, what are they thinking about. And, and so if you want to know about a person, when you get invited to their house, go look at the books. <laughs> go look at the books. You know, you go stand up there, look on the bookshelves, and you'll find out right away what interests that soul. So I decided to look over all the books, see what they, they really were giving their attention to, they were really interested in. And, and I was kind of felt, it kind of felt like a detective, you know, looking at all the books. And, and, you know, and I was surprised to find books on everything. It was like a bookstore. I mean, there were travel books, there were history books, there were science books, there were fiction books, drama books, adventure books, romance books, health books, biography books, autobiography books, art books, poetry books, books for children. So many interesting books on so many, on so many subjects. You know, I'm kind of looking at the titles, you know, on and on. And the more I went through these books, the, the more spiritually thirsty I became. Because the more I went through these books, the more spiritually empty I felt. And the more, more hungry inside I became. Because of all those hundreds and hundreds of books, there was no books about God. There was not one Bible. I'm going through the books, and I'm thinking, well, surely now I'm going to find a Bible. I'm going to be able to open it up, and I'm going to see it's all red, and the, book, the pages are curled yellow, and, and, and there's underlining. And all that. I didn't find that book. And not one devotional book, not one missionary book, not one book on how a person found God. And the godlessness of life without God, it just left this awful feeling of a howling emptiness. And do you realize that's the way man are today? That's the way man is today. We live in a post-God world where generations of children are now being raised without God. 
without any interest in God, without any interest in seeking God. And that's the tragedy of life around us. And this was described in Amos 8.11. Amos 8.11, when it says, Amos 8.11 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I'll send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing the words of the Lord. And that's the tragedy of the world today. We live in a world of famine. The world right now, as you know, is experiencing an economic boom where there's more and more food, there's less and less starvation, there's more and more wealth, there's higher and higher standard of living, but there's more and more famine. It's 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 an Amos 8.11 famine. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And this is the famine that Daniel found when he was made president of this Magi. So So like me going through the books... Daniel looked at the Magi and he thought, these people know nothing about God. These people are starving for hearing the words of God. I mean, don't get me wrong, down there in those houses, there were statues of monks in the garden. There were crosses in the house. There were signs of religion, but no sign of God. And Daniel looked around, he saw the idols and he saw the Magi were religious, but they didn't know God. So Daniel decided to change all that. And the first thing I did with those houses is I brought in hundreds of books about God. <laughs> I brought in books on creation, on missionary books, devotion books, children books about God, Bibles, hymnals, books on Israel, books on biblical archaeology, Bible commentaries. And, and, and then I'm beginning to plan out where are the Bible plaques going to go? You know, I'm the big on the Bible plaques. Because I thought... These houses are crying out for God. These houses are hungry for God. So Daniel, he looks at these magi and he wants to teach them. And can't you just picture, can't you just imagine? Daniel, he's starting with Genesis 1 and he's teaching the magi. He says, you know, God created the heavens and earth in six literal days. Yeah, And I don't think any of the magi said, well, what about the gap theory? <laughs> Don't you think there were billions of years between this day and that way? No, 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 that came up. And none of the Magi said, can you reconcile that with the Darwinian theory of evolution? <laughs> none of them did that either. So he's teaching them. And can't you see Daniel teaching those Magi how the first parents, our first parents, they were called Adam and Eve, they sinned against God and it set the course for all of their children, all of their descendants set a course to be cast into hell and judgment. And can't you see Daniel as as he's teaching these magi, and he's saying, but God said, no, I will send the Redeemer. He's going to be the king of the Jews. He's going to rescue man from his sins, and he's going to turn the course of man from hell to heaven. And you can just see Daniel as he's teaching them about the Redeemer and how he's the hope, and he's going to be the king of the Jews, and he's going to be born as the Genesis 3.15 seed of the woman. Genesis 3.15 seed of the woman. And you can just see these magi, they're eating it up. Daniel's teaching it because they're starving souls. It's being given food for the first time. And so he's teaching these magi. And what he's doing in here, what Daniel is doing in here, is he's building into these magi this sense of expectation, this sense of anticipation that the, the king is coming. The king of the Jews is going to be born and he's going to be the redeemer. So Daniel is made these magi 
to look for and to search for this coming king of the Jews, the one who's the, the, the child that's going to be born, the son that's going to be given, the Isaiah 9, 6 child that's born, child that will be born, Isaiah 9, 6. He's going to be the redeemer. And he's making them realize, these magi, their only hope for, for rescue, for the destruction of their souls, is this coming king of the Jews. So all this has happened hundreds of years earlier. Daniel is way long gone. But these magi then taught their children what Daniel taught them, and their children taught their children what Daniel taught them, and it's hundreds of years later now. And this is the explanation for what these magis were doing coming from the east in search. And so these magi in verse 1 who come from the east, they were the great, 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 whatever, spiritual grandchildren of Daniel, that he won to the Lord. This is his, his Daniel's fruit. He won these spiritual souls to the Lord from the children of the East. It reminds me when I recently met Pastor Ray Hahn, who led me to the Lord in 1970. And Pastor Hahn said to me, I must have a lot of spiritual grandchildren through you. <laughs> so, so Daniel could look at these magi in verse 1 and say, those magi are my spiritual grandchildren. But all this leads us to understand what Daniel was doing in Babylon when he was taken captive. You know, it was pretty, pretty depressing to, have, to be conquered and carried away as a slave to a foreign country. But it's pretty clear that Daniel didn't sit in, in Babylon and say, oh, woe is me, I don't know what I'm doing here, all these heathen people around me, I would just wish I was back in the land of Israel with my own people. I mean, you know, these heathen Babylonians, I give up, I give up. <laughs> just let them be cast into hell where they belong. I want to go back to my people. That was not Daniel. That was not Daniel. Daniel never saw his role in life to be insulated and isolated, and neither should we. We should never see our role in life to be insulated and isolated from the lost. Because Daniel saw these Babylonians on their way to hell, and Daniel said, no, I will not stand by and watch these people be cast into hell. I will tell them about the God who loves them and made provision for them to be saved from their sins. So Daniel knew that God loved them. God so loved the people of the East. And Daniel wanted them to know God and have eternal life. He wanted them to sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, which is what the Lord said. Many people from far are going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Daniel really in this regard, takes his place uh, uh, with Joseph. Because this is the heart of Joseph. Joseph also was, uh, was a slave. But Joseph it, it, it didn't cry, woe is me, you know, uh, about why he was in Egypt instead of being back with his family in Canaan. I mean, he did more for the Egyptians than just save them from perishing for lack of food. He made sure they didn't perish for eternity for lack of not knowing God. So, so when we look at Daniel, we can see that Daniel's life was an expectation builder. And he built into this magi, the people around him, the expectation, the Messiah is coming, the King of the Jews is coming, he's gonna save you from your sins. And we should see ourselves that way. We should see ourselves, when we present the gospel, when we speak to the lost, we should be an expectation builder. We should be building those pieces. You really can 
be, be, be cleansed from that bad feelings you have of guilt and shame. You really can go to heaven. You really can know God. So uh, now the Magi here are, are, are typically characterized as three kings. Because after all, what would the song be like if you didn't say, we three kings of Orient are? <laughs> well, there's obviously more than one. We don't know how many there were. But they were, clearly they were wealthy. And they made this trip. They had the gifts, expensive gifts. And they really produced quite a sensation in, in the city of Jerusalem when they came with their question, where is he that is born king of the Jews? The Jews were not concerned about the king of the Jews. They were concerned about these magi coming asking, oh, where is the king of the Jews? Now, the star, they see the star. They see the star that says the star, we have seen his star in the east. So the star led them to Bethlehem. And, and as they came to Bethlehem, they came to Jerusalem. Now, can't you just picture them there? Here they are, they're traveling into the country of the Jewish people. Oh, king of the Jews, here's the Jews, okay. So, and as they're being led by the star to Bethlehem, and they come to Jerusalem, they see, oh, this is the capital of the Jewish people. This is the city of the king of the Jews right here. So they thought, great, here's the city. Here's the city of the king of the Jews. We're going to find the king of the Jews here, obviously. So they're going around saying, which building is he in? <laughs> and, and they're thinking to themselves, there's got to be a huge line to see the newborn king of the Jews. I hope we can get in line and you can see him. That's what the Magi were thinking. And obviously, they were thinking, you know, as would all the world think, that the Jews would be gathered around their newborn king of the Jews. This is what they were expecting. Now, it reminds me of the time when, when my friends, uh, Mary Louise uh, and, and Bruce Cohen, had adopted a 12-year-old Ethiopian boy, I've told you about him, named Tineskin. And they brought him from Addis Ababa to Washington, D.C. He didn't speak any English at all. You know, and as Tameskin learned to speak, because I don't speak Amharic, I don't speak Guragian, which is the other language he had, I don't speak any of that. Anyway, but so, so Tameskin learned to speak English. And as he did, we became friends. And in that process, I learned, oh, Tameskin is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and told me how he came to the Lord. And Tameskin knew his Bible. And he knew that the Lord Jesus Christ was Jewish. So I decided, okay, i got to sit down and have a talk with my friend Tomeskin. All right, so we go in the backyard by the pool there. Very expensive house. Anyway, in, in Washington, D.C. And so I sit down with Tomeskin alone there in, in the Cohen's house. And I said, Tomeskin, I said, Tomeskin, you must understand that you have come to live in a Jewish home. And I have to tell you something about the Jewish people, that the Jewish people do not believe in, in Jesus Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ. I told him that, you know, that was my talk. And then I remember how Tomeskin frowned, and he looked puzzled, and then he looked at me, he had these really, really nice big eyes. He looked at me and he said, why not? Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. 
Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Israel Restoration Ministries is excited to announce a limited time offer for our Friendship with God Study Bible and Hymnal. This package includes a large printed genuine lambskin leather Bible featuring over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references, maps, timelines, and frequently asked questions. In addition, you'll also receive our Friendship with God hymnal. This hymnal, the first of its kind, contains over 1,000 hymns and melodies, making it the largest collection ever printed. Included with your purchase, you'll also receive a complimentary engraving of your name on either book. For more information, visit us at friendshipwithgod.org or give us a call at 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104. 